Welcome to the Go To Thrive Podcast, the place to inspire people in the workplace and go to thrive. Mary Jane Roy and Vivian Aqua want to make happiness the new norm and offer solutions to create higher engagement in the workplace. Our Go To Thrive Podcast guest of today is Gea Paper. Gea is the owner of Happiness Bureau. The Happiness Bureau supports organizations to become more successful by increasing their employee happiness and engagement at work. Welcome, Gea. And Gea, can you tell our audience something about who you are? Uh, and include, please, something they won't find on your LinkedIn profile, <laughs> as well as something about why you're doing what you're doing. Okay, great. Well, first of all, thanks for, for having me. Um, I really appreciate and admire the work you're doing, like these postcards in, in, in sharing all the information and experience there is in the area of happiness at work. So thumbs up for you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> great. Um, yeah, so I'm Gea Paper. I started my career as an uh, international change management consultant. I worked for Accenture and uh, Deloitte. Uh, where I worked with with international companies on on change management uh, projects, big projects. Uh, I lived for five years in London, a year in Brussels. So it was an international job, which I really liked. After that, I became an HR manager for the Dutch Central Bank. And after three years uh, doing that, I, I still missed the international flavor a bit. So I was on secondment to Curaçao, that's the Dutch Caribbean, and I also worked uh, in the central bank over there in, in HR. And um, okay, now, now, now some new something about myself, which is not on the LinkedIn profile. Well, I think most people will know, or I hope they will know that we have published a book this year, uh, together with uh, my colleague, Helene Mess on employee experience. But I think most people don't know that I also published uh, another book. And that's a completely different book because it's a, a thriller. And I wrote that with a friend. Uh, and it's called, uh, <laughs> it's a Dutch book, but in, in English it would be The Egg of the Hummingbird. And it's set on Curaçao, as I already said, where I lived for five years, so with my family. So if you want to read a, a different type of book, uh, you can find that one on lulu.com. Oh, okay. this is this is really new for me. <laughs> for me as well. Yeah. <laughs> we did, we did. And and can you also though share why you're doing what you're doing now? Because you ended with with you know the the working for the yes. uh, um, bank and but at some point you made this change. Yes, I did. I definitely did. Um, when I was in HR, both with the Dutch Central Bank, but also Curaçao, I mean, we were doing a lot of stuff, you know, we made sure that the salaries were paid on time and there was a pension scheme and Christmas packages, etc. But I noticed that a lot of people were not really happy at work. Maybe they were satisfied at the best, but not really uh, happy or having fun uh, at work. So at, at a certain moment, I thought, okay, maybe I should find out uh, so if these things aren't really what makes people happy, what is it that makes people happy? So I started to read and, and I spoke to a lot of people. And by that time, I was back in, uh, in the Netherlands in 2012. So I, I, I met with a lot of people. I met uh, Alexander Kirov, who's a Danish uh, expert on happiness at work, but also on Hamburger, a Dutch expert. 
And at a certain moment, I thought, wow, this is such a, 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 an important topic that a lot of people should know about it. So, this, so I, I quit my job in 2015 and I focused on, well, what I'm doing now. My purpose is making happiness at work the norm in the Netherlands, in organizations in the Netherlands, but also outside the Netherlands. That's very beautiful. I also wanted to add uh, another question about that, because why is it important that organizations make happiness the norm? Well, I, I think there's a lot of, uh, uh, well, the, the simple answer would be because it's the right thing to do. Um, <laughs> but a, a more elaborate answer would be there's, there's a lot of challenges we face uh, at the moment. Um, for example, uh, if, you, if, if we look at our own research and, and the research you did as well, uh, Mary Jane, but also Gallup research, we see that employees around the world, but also in the Netherlands, are not engaged. Uh, there's only a very small percentage of people who are engaged and like what they're doing. Um, also in the Netherlands, we see an increasing number of people suffering from stress and burnout. And we don't seem to be able to, to, to crack that one. I mean, yes, we take people out of the system, out of the organization. Uh, um, there's a lot of programs, etc. they go through. But after that, we put them back in the same system without looking at, okay, maybe there's something wrong there. And I think that's another reason. So, yes, we should look at organizations and make sure that, that people can be happy at work and don't suffer from stress and burnout, etc. Um, also, people have to work longer. I remember when I started at the Dutch Central Bank, we had a reorganization and people, there were quite a few people who could leave work with a package at 55. I mean, <laughs> it's hard to believe, but at the moment, I mean, I think I have to work until 68 and uh, some people need to work until 70, etc. So therefore, there's, there's, a, there's a, a more focus on how can we work longer but also happy and healthy for a longer time well there's two more things I, the millennials um i have two kids there are two millennials and yes we raise them in a way where we say oh you make sure you're happy go look for a job that makes you happy and then they then they start in an organization and they find out that quite a few organizations are not happy places so they keep job hopping are unhappy uh, also, the number of, of, of millennials with burnout and stress complaints is very, very high. So I think that's also a reason why we should focus on happiness at work. And then maybe last but not least, that helps is um, a few years ago, we had the financial crisis. And I think organizations were not so worried about the well-being and happiness of their people. But at the moment, there is the war of talent is really going on again. And so there's a focus on attracting uh, the right talent, but also on keeping talent. I mean, we've worked with organizations and they had a lot of recruiters and a lot of people were brought in, but then they left within a year. So I, I think for companies, it's good also to, to make sure you're a, a great place to work, you're a happy place to work. So people want to not only join your company, but also stay with the company for, for a while. Yes, I agree. And adding on to my question, what I asked earlier, um, the employee experience is gaining much more attention within organizations. Can you share with our audience what the employee experience is and why it, per definition, supports the previous client is king focus? 
Of course, of course. Well, I think in general, you could say that uh, employee experience, uh, it's about creating a place, a workplace where people want to show up and are happy at work. That's, I think, the most simple definition. Uh, another definition we use is that the employee experience is what a, an employee or a, a potential employee experiences in all of their contacts with an organization. So that's, uh, that's the employee experience. How, what, how do we feel about being there? How do we feel when they think about going to work, et cetera, et cetera. It's also about uh, the first day at work, um, how, do, uh, how are they being developed at work or even when people leave the organization? All of that is the employee experience. And uh, the second part of your question, um, does employee uh, experience support the, well, the previous client is king focus? Uh, I think that's, that, that's, that's a definite yes. Uh, when I started working uh, as a consultant, then the number one, two and three, uh, was about shareholder value. It was only about making money for the shareholders. Um, after that, we entered a phase where we found out that, okay, if you want to make a lot of money as a company, then you make, need to make sure that, as you say, the client is king. There's a very strong uh, customer focus. Uh, but now we find out, okay, but if you want to have happy customers, you need to have happy employees. Um, it's like uh, Simon Sinek said, customers will never love a company until the employees love it first. And in a way, it's a bit weird. We only come to acknowledge it now, but uh, I think we, we really find out now that if people are not happy where they are, what they do, etc., how, how they've been treated, then uh, clients, customers never will be happy. So in that way, uh, it's starting inside out, so not start with the shareholder and then the client and then the employee, but you turn it around, you start with the employee, happy employees, uh, make sure or they ensure happy clients. And when you have happy clients, they quite often are loyal clients. So they come back more often, spend more money and you have better financial results. So and simple. that's the way it works. Yeah. So, so simple is it? Eh? Yeah, it's very simple. Yeah. But yeah. you sparked something within me, me as be, me being a millennial. Is it the millennials' fault that everybody's busy now with happiness or everybody is expressing? Well, I wouldn't say, I, I would say thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you, you rather than the millennials' fault. But yeah, I would say, is it, is Stan, the millennials? Uh, are they the reason why mm -hmm. that there's so much focus? I think it's one of the reasons. As I said, there's a lot <laughs> of reasons. Uh, but I, I definitely think that the, the millennials, because they, they look for different things in the workplace. I mean, when I was brought up, um, my parents said, you know, make sure you, you get an education so you can get a good job and you can pay your mortgage, etc. There was nothing about make sure that you like what you do or that you're happy at work, etc. Um, no, so I'm really happy that the millennials in the way they look at work, um, that we now have this strong and stronger focus on happiness at work. So thank you. Thank you. And, and Gea, I, I was wondering, I'm going to uh, divert here a little bit. I want to go back to something you shared from the previous question that Vivian asked you. Mm -hmm. um, and that, it, it, the, the fact that the, 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 the attrition rate is... Yeah so high in organizations. Uh, and one of the things that 
I'm told, and I, and, I, and I question whether or not it's because that's what they want to believe, is that certain organizations think, well, we need to have this turnaround. We need new uh, um, uh, brain gain into the organization. We don't want people hanging around all that long. But within one or two years, I consider that more a revolving door Yeah. Uh, versus trying to get a, a, a brain gain back into the organization. Are they just kidding themselves? Well, I, th I think sometimes, I mean, we also work with organizations and then we say, okay, your turnover is pretty high. And they say, well, you know, it's sometimes, or, or when people have burnout and then they um, leave the working process, they sometimes see that it's like a collateral damage. Um, so we've spoken to some organizations and they're happy that there is collateral damage. Well, in a way, I, first of all, I don't think that's the way to look at people, how you treat uh, your employees. But on the other hand, it's like, I think they feel powerless on how to solve this problem. And uh -huh. therefore, yeah, maybe they're kidding them. So, you know, if you can't solve a problem, it's sometimes easier to find reasons that it's not really your problem or that it's a good idea to have this problem. But uh, I, we work with a lot of companies. I mean, we even work with companies who have 300% turnover in a year. Wow. wow. And first of all, I thought that's not possible. You know, 100% is the maximum. But they renew all of their people uh, three times a year. Wow. Um, and uh, yes, that's an extreme case, I have to say. But we also work with organizations where they recruit a lot of people and then within a year, they are losing people. And that's not... Uh, yes, you want to have new people entering the, uh, your workforce or the organization, and it's okay, fine for people to leave. But when they leave within the first year, I think you ha you do have a problem. Also, when you when you ask people why are you leaving, I mean, you get answers like, um, "I'm doing uh, when I when I was uh, looking for this job, and I spoke to your to people in your organization. It was completely different from what I'm doing now." I'm not being uh, uh, being heard or seen or being appreciated for what I do, uh, or I can't get along with my boss, uh, etc. I mean, and I don't I don't think those are the right reasons for people to. Um, I, I, that's something that those are serious things you need to look into. And I don't think that companies also realize that they are losing not only talent, not only money, but they are losing ambassadors. Of course. When they are doing this. Good yeah. point. You know, and in, in the past, maybe, you know, um, there maybe you, 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 uh, uh, there were a, people, a few people you lost in the process. And maybe they were talking to this about their family or their friends. But nowadays, you post your reviews on Glassdoor, on Indeed. So, you know, those are places like TripAdvisor for hotels. But nowadays, if you don't like a company or you don't like what's happening, you don't like the culture or the leadership, you go out there and you post it. So um, new hires or people who are looking for a job, they go to these places and they read the reviews of your organization. So, um, yeah, it's time to, to take uh, these things serious rather than, okay, it's collateral damage or it's fine that this is happening. Hey, thank you. I'm, I'm glad I went back to that point uh, because this gives voice to, to that situation that's okay. occurring. Yeah, yep. thank you. Gea, in your experience, what are the most significant factors that separate a truly effective leader from a defective 
or what I like to call toxic leader. Well, I'm, I'm really uh, glad you bring this up because we know also from uh, our own research, but also research from Gallup that uh, a leader or managers have a very big influence on the happiness uh, of people. So um, being concerned about your leadership uh, is a very important factor uh, for organizations. And uh, we distinguish a, a couple of factors for, for a good leader. Um, we think that he or she uh, needs to act consistently, consistently with um, the stated values. Uh, I mean, most uh, companies, they have values quite often written on, on the wall, etc. But uh, I like this saying, and I don't know who said it, but it's, it's, about, it's not about what's written on the walls, but what's happening in the halls. So it's the behavior of everyone, but especially uh, a good leader uh, will show that he or she is behaving in line with the stated values. Um, another thing is that uh, he or she can share a compelling view of the future. People really like to, to have, a, a, let's say, a purpose or um, a, a view of the future. And they think, yes, I, I really want to help uh, getting there. So a pa being passionate uh, as a good leader about that. Also, uh, a good leader, um, they, they empower others to succeed. Uh, it's not their own success, uh, it, which is the most important, but it's also helping others, uh, helping to develop uh, their talents, etc. Uh, so they can be. It's not about creating followers, but it's creating other leaders or new leaders. And then I'm not thinking about uh, promoting people, but also that, that, that you have personal leadership that you uh, take care of your own position and take care of your own future. I also think that it's important that uh, a good leader can explain um, why things are necessary and not only, okay, you know, we've done this for a couple of years now, so just keep on doing, but uh, explaining the reasons uh, and, and discussing with people why things are necessary or, or need to be done or are important. And then the last thing, I think a good leader is, is a positive leader and uh, that he or she is, is able to, to motivate people by, well, different ways, but also by showing appreciation. Because we do a lot of research in this area, and I think you do too, Mary Jane, and we find that um, a lot of people, they, 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 they don't think, uh, they don't feel that they're being appreciated for what they're doing. And to be honest, when I was a manager myself of a team of 36, and I thought, oh, I'm doing a pretty good job. You know, I give the, the, the compliments here and now. And then when I got my survey back, I realized that that wasn't enough. So we always advise when we uh, have workshops or trainings with uh, management teams, we say, if you, if you, if you think you do a, a good job in showing appreciation, just multiply it by three. And then you probably <laughs> are getting close or are getting in the area of, of uh, what people like or what people prefer. That's, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of research to support that as well, actually. Yeah. yeah. It's, it so reminds me of um, what you're saying. It so reminds me of the book of Simon Sinek about why leadership are eating less or why yeah. eating less. And then I had to think about um, our leaders 
needed because there there's so much that they have to do they have to please yes. or they have to empower employees they have to uh hit on targets they have yep. to do this they have to do that are leaders equipped to do all that and again empower their team members well it, it, i'm glad you bring that up because it, it, it's very easy to bash management you know to be critical but exactly what you say um there's a lot of pressure on leaders, on managers, on, on doing a good job, and you need to be able to do everything. Um, when I was, I was a manager, I was in, in meetings all day, and then in the evenings, I, I had to do all the other stuff. So there hardly was, was any time to deal with, let's say, the team. Um, I, I think a way of looking at it, which, which can solve this problem, is that as a leader, you don't need to do this on your own. Um, you know, if you're, if you're more a facilitator in the team, um, there's a lot of uh, talent, uh, resources in your team. You know, if, if you're more results focused, but you have a couple of people in your team who are more relationship focused, then you can ask them to help you. So it, it's, it's about um, doing the job together as a team, including the manager. You don't need to do it all by yourself. And I think that helps and that, that relieves you of a bit of, of, of the pressure. Pulling in the strengths of the whole team. Yeah. yeah. Knowing the strengths. And, exactly. And pulling them exactly. in. And asking for help. Asking for help. That's a big thing. Even the normal people, let's say the people who are not, you know, don't have the title leadership or leader or management yeah. have a, a hard job of asking for help, let alone a leader who asks exactly. for help. Yes. Yeah. Because, you know, we have this image of a leader that he or she knows it all and can do it all, etc. But in the end, uh, <laughs> they're only humans too. And uh, uh, they like help. And also, we, we spoke about appreciation before. They, they also do like a bit of appreciation for what they do. Building up regarding your, uh, what you mentioned earlier. So you did some research with the Happiness Bureau and also Keystone Vitality did some research. Whereas 35% of the employees don't feel appreciated for the work they do. Again, why is it important for leaders, managers, supervisors, even colleagues to understand this? Well, I think that there's a couple of reasons. But maybe the, the, the main reason is that... Uh we all, all people have the psychological need for being seen and heard. I mean, they've done some tests and even, you know, if, 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 you've, if you've written a report, being an employee, you hand it over to someone and they say, hmm. <laughs> uh, so they acknowledge that they have received, I mean, it was not a big compliment, but acknowledging, okay, you've done that makes, makes us happy. Uh, makes us, you know, we've put in the effort, we've put in the time. So if someone says, thank you for doing that or i really appreciate that you've taken the time to put in uh, the work and and have added so much detail etc that makes that makes us happy and and also i think for leaders and for organizations and for ourselves that we need to realize that that a person who feels appreciated will always do more than what is expected you know if, if you feel the appreciation it, it's not a problem to do a bit more or to to really uh, go the extra mile and so in a way, you create a more high-performance environment uh, than, rather than if, if, if you withhold appreciation or you, or you think, well, you know, they know, uh, the employees know that we appreciate them, so we don't need to tell them. Or 
I remember one day we had a workshop with a management team of a company and we spoke about this, how important uh, showing appreciation is and, and giving compliments. And she said, well, they already get one big compliment every month. <laughs> and uh, she referred to the salary. So she thought, okay, because of the salary, I don't need to tell them uh, that I, I appreciate what they do or give them compliments. Fortunately, at the end of the workshop, she had changed her mind a bit. <laughs> but I'm sure there are more people who think that, you, you know. I, like, I no, hear that no. a lot. I hear that a lot regarding, you know, uh, that people should be happy with their salary, that they yes. even have a job. Yeah. Where nowadays that, you know, we, we want more because because of me or because of someone else spending a lot of amount of time, private time at the work, I want to feel at home. I want to feel uh, appreciated. I want to exactly. be me. Yeah. Yes. And, and the, the other side of that equation is the, is the ease with which we criticize yeah. people. <laughs> exactly. So if all you're hearing is criticism yeah. and you have to assume you're doing a good job because you're still yeah. on the payroll. That happens uh, a lot. Yeah. You know, when, when people are doing well, uh, we don't tell them because that's the default. And when something goes wrong, yes, we do have a chat or, you know, their, their point, their, their failures are pointed out, uh, etc. And maybe about the, the appreciation thing, uh, I'd like to add something because uh, we found out that uh, there are five different appreciation languages. I don't know if you, if you recognize that, but... Uh, it, 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 see, it, it appears that we all have a preference of how we'd like to be appreciated. Because quite often we think, okay, appreciation is about, you know, giving a compliment, etc. But we found out that people sometimes like to be appreciated in words, but other people, they would like to uh, uh, be appreciated in time. So you spend some time with them. Uh, so they can tell you their story or they can tell, they, share, they can share with you what, what's happening in their private life, etc. Then the third group, they like to get some support. Maybe you help them with their work. So you give them a helping hand. Uh, there's also the, the fourth group. They like presents. Uh, so like the physical things. It can be small things, but they, they like a present. And there's another group. They like more physical contact. I know with the Me Too discussion, this is a difficult one, but we mean like a high five or uh, something like that. And um, it's good to know if you have someone, I, I have a, one of my colleagues, she uh, gives all, she always brings me presents and I really appreciate that, but I'm more a person, uh, I'd like to be appreciated in words. So when we found out about these five different appreciation languages, we're now also um, include this in our, in our workshops, in our training. So appreciation comes in different forms and you need to find out or talk to each other about, okay, what, which, which way would you like to be, um, be appreciated? And I would also like to make a, a, an additional comment because giving appreciation is one thing, but a lot of people don't know how to receive it. Yes. Yeah. We do find out that if you do it more often, you know, we sometimes advise to start uh, your team meeting with a round of compliments or focus on something you're proud of and maybe the first time it feels a bit awkward but we see if you make that like a, a ritual or a standard agenda item that after a while it becomes more natural 
for people to give compliments, but also to receive compliments. Great tip. Also, giving feels so yeah. good, right? Yeah. We get a lot from giving. So, but that's that's uh, another part. Geo, uh, share with us your ideal vision of thriving workplaces. Well, I, I think a thriving workplace is a place where people want to show up and are happy at work. Um, and ideally, uh, uh, one of the organizations we work with, they stated that, ideally, it's a place where uh, at the end of the day, uh, people leave the workplace with more energy than they came with in the morning. So rather than draining the people, etc., uh, make sure that they also have the energy to come home, uh, have uh, spend some quality time with their family or, or hobbies or sports, etc. Um, I think in our vision that that's a thriving workplace. That, that's music to my ears. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking from experience. <laughs> definitely. definitely. Gea, is there uh, one last thought that you would like to leave our audience with? Well, I, I think I'd like to say that, uh, that we find that organizations, and they understand more and more that it's important uh, that their employees are happy at work, both for the employees itself uh, as well as for the organization. Um, I would say that because sometimes we get a call, okay, we don't know where to start. We just, just start focusing on happiness at work, even make it a KPI, uh, engage people in conversations about what it is that makes them happy or unhappy, uh, create an environment where happiness at work is important. And just start with the first step, however small. Uh, I just spoke about, you know, start uh, uh, your meetings with uh, doing something different, like giving a compliment, or we worked with an organization and... Um, it was a chemical organization. So every meeting started with the agenda, uh, safety first. And then in working with them, they came up, okay, it's safety first, but happiness second. So every meeting, they spent about five or 10 minutes talking about certain aspects of happiness at work. And that, in a way, was a small thing to do, uh, but it had a huge impact on the whole team and after that on the whole organization. So just get started, do something small and keep going from there. Thank you, Gea, for sharing those valuable tips on what it takes for organizations to thrive. You're welcome. And to the listeners, if you have any questions and comments about this episode, share them with us, share them with us on LinkedIn. Thank you for listening, everyone. Until the next time. Bye. 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 Go to Thrive Podcasts, empower people to be happy before, during, and after work.